Greetings, glorious humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host, JM. I am Jared. And he's Jared. Nothing has changed. Still Jared. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Everything. Yeah. How you doing, Jared? Pretty good. A lot better than a couple weeks ago. How about you? Huh? Doing all right. Was was a couple weeks ago COVID? Yeah, I've just like... Obviously, I've I've been better for a bit now, but it's like good to like be back to normal, you know, like full normal. Nice. <laughs> Are you still coughing at all? No, no, I'm good, golden. Nice. I've 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 still got a little bit of a cough. It might be the weather. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what have you been up to? What have you been? What have you been? What have you been playing? Uh, still just that Elden Ring, man. Still just on that kick. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Just got to the mountaintop of the Giants. Oh, shit. All right. Shit. Yeah, All right. Didn't need any way. help in Lindell, Capital City. Cool. Or the no Altus way, Plaza. man. That's fine. No way, man. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Or Volcano Manor. Uh, okay, not there yet. I, I mean, I got there, and I started walking around, and I said, nope, I'm coming back. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now you're in the mountaintop of the Giants. You can go do, you can do their contracts over at the Volcano Yeah, that's Manor. true. Yeah. What about you? Nice. What you've been playing, man? I uh, some folks here at Devolver started talking about Valheim again, and we have a Valheim Devolver server. And man, I fucked up this weekend, and I spent a lot of time building shit in Valheim. <laughs> I gotta get in that, man. It's so good. I gotta get in on that. It's good. You should. You definitely should. We were talking about like trying to make it like a production and marketing call. So that we're all in there together, just goofing around, playing games, and you know, talking. I had a meeting with uh, Jr. and Clara a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, let's uh, let's meet in Deep Rock Galactic." <laughs> I'm just yeah. Who needs to meet in the fucking metaverse where you could just meet in like Valheim or Deep Rock Galactic? That sounds way better. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely way better. Yeah, we had we were having like real like we were goofing around building stuff in Valheim, but like at the same time also like <clears throat> excuse me. Having, you know, conversations about work stuff. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, but then th this weekend by myself, I was like, oh, I have an idea of shit I want to build. And, man, I just, it takes, I take so long. I just build things in that game. It's good, though. Nice. I love it. <clears throat> huh. Oh, and we did that, we did that thing last week. We had the, yeah, uh, the we had the live broadcast. Yeah, I think it went pretty Twitter well. Space. Yeah, that went pretty well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think we should... The last three episodes, we've kind of touched on something, and I think we should go ahead and make this fourth episode the climax of that. Uh-oh, what is that? The fourth in the series. For the last three episodes, we have either had on or made reference to Doinksoft. Yeah, because we talked and... about PAX, and then they were mm -hmm. on that Twitter space, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, if I recall, mm -hmm. they had a so, very wonderful soundboard. I don't. It I was, was definitely not going to bring that up. I definitely want to bring that up because I just I loved it, and <laughs> I just I'm up. thinking about don't, it right now, don't. and I really wish I could no, remember no. what songs. No, no, were no. There. I want to hear the songs no. or the sounds. No, there's no, they weren't songs. They were noises. <laughs> but you know what we do have? You know what we do have in the way of soundboard? What we do have in the way of soundboard are two out of three members of Doinksoft right here on the call right now. Cullen and Joseph. Yo, 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 yo. That's Cullen. How's it going? 
Good. Joseph, are you talking? I'm here. Oh, thank God. Hello. Did I give you enough time? Go great. Did you get the soundboard? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I couldn't find the soundboard in time. It's, it's in the other room. Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having us on the on the Devolver show. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks, thanks for having us on the Devolver forecast. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> Um, you're not Robbie. You guys been? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Robbie became an American, and it's me. <laughs> did he? Did he lose the accent and get less handsome? <laughs> Oof. Uh, yes. Brutal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're, you're a beaut. You're an absolute beaut. Oh, now you're just saying that. Now you're just backpedaling. No, I've seen you. I remember. I remember we were at TwitchCon one year, and and. I remember a beautiful woman came over and was talking to, like, asking questions about the Devolver booth. And I was, you know, I was standing there and I started to answer. And then Jared came around the corner and she just stopped talking to me. And immediately all the conversation was with Jared. And I was like, oh, all right. I bid you a good day then. I don't remember this conversation. <laughs> That's common for you, I'm sure. Oh, whatever. We have that same situation with uh, Brit. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Brit's face. Mm. Yeah, we have that absolute same situation with Brit. Like, uh, <laughs> just too handsome. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, there's this funny thing. So we, I think we were, were we celebrating. Um, 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 Gato Roboto maybe, and and Joseph and Brit and I all went out to the to the bar, and uh, and there was um, it was the most sobering moment of, of my career with these fellas. Cause, um, there's this, this woman there and I, you know, I wasn't single, but like, um, and she's talking to Brit, just loving Brit, looking at Brit and talking to Brit and, and asks him if, Hey, like, are you doing anything? Do you want to, do you want to come with me tonight? Do you want to go home with me tonight? And Brit, uh, said, no, I'm sorry. I have, you know, I have a wife and kids. I, that's very nice of you kind of just like deflecting it's very nice of you though kind yeah. of thing and being perfectly kind and and polite and then looks at joseph and goes how about you and joseph's like no way baby like i'm just hanging out with my boys and then looks at me and goes hey what's up and then walks away <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh oh brutal <clears throat> Yeah, I think that was pre-Gato, just some random Eugene day. I think I was visiting town or something. Yeah, it was something like that. Nice. (laughs) Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Shit's real out there, folks. And so this is the story that inspired Gumbrella. Uh, I'd say it's the story that inspired Demon Throttle. (laughs) (laughs) Demon Throttle. So yeah, y'all have we we wanted to have you guys on here for a while, but we couldn't because we were waiting for Gunbrella to be announced because it would be you know it was like it would be kind of awkward to not be able to talk. So we can talk about everything. You guys are making two games at the same time now. Yep. Well, we're uh, we're done making Demon Throttle. Demon Throttle is finished and just awaiting production or manufacturing or whatever the words are for that. I don't handle that. Awesome. 
Yeah. We had been making two games for a long time, though. Yeah. For like the last nine months or something. Or a year. Would you recommend that? <laughs> Do I no, recommend not. <laughs> um, I don't know. We kind of just say yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, if you're doing if you're doing the whole thing yourself, maybe it's hard to do more than one at a time because we're a really small team. Um, but mm-hmm. if we had like the ability to like outsource more stuff, I think conceptually we could handle two at a time. But like that that wouldn't be you guys making two games at the same time, though. I mean, if you're like directing a game and programming on another, maybe like that would be doable. But like we do everything in house, so it's yeah. like doing two complete you know development cycles and we're programming both of them and we're testing them and we're you know there's all there's yeah. so many little things that goes into it 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 got hectic for a while for sure fair enough fair enough but y'all are wizards at what you do so we you know the games are going to be great anyway god i hope so gato hope so that's right we all got gato hope so um well, that's cool. Yay, two games, and now only having to work on one game. Yeah, we're pretty committed to that for the rest of uh, Gunbrella's development cycle, I think. Yeah, no, no extra, no extra titles. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to bring another one on. <laughs> I, I, mute, I muted our chat with, uh, with Nigel so that he doesn't go, hey, do you want to do this cool thing? Because we'll, we'll just say yes. <laughs> Here's, so this is great, because Nigel had some things for me to pitch to you, and I'm glad we're on the call oh, good. right now. Um, if you guys can simultaneously be working on Gunbrella and Gunbrella 3... Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get someone else to make Gunbrella two. We're probably gonna hire Doinksoft to make Gunbrella two while you guys are working on one and three. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I like those guys. I <laughs> they're all right. They're good they're at good multitasking. Dudes. They're good so. dudes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, when is Demon Throttle coming out? Is it still available for pre order? Um, no, they closed not sure. the, they, it's closed on the shop. But once the game's out, they'll open up sales again pretty sure okay um i think it's just kind of going through its last rounds of whatever the black magic is that goes on behind the scenes that makes a yeah a um game be physical only um (laughs) but the the development of the game's done so as soon as it's manufactured and ready it should be shipping out to all the people who pre-ordered it and then open back up for sales on uh on the website so for anyone who doesn't know, Demon Throttle is a Switch physical exclusive game made by Doingsoft. It's oh, yeah. a retro style shmup, kind of. And uh, what's what's it based on? It's based on an old game. Yeah, we were like, um, when we were working on the, I think it was Gumbrella pitch demo, basically. Like the very first version of it. You know, like the, the initial prototype. And sometimes we would, like, after work, uh, like, Colin came over to my house to work with me. And after work, we would, like, play Nintendo. Or sometimes during work, we'd play Nintendo. And, uh, yeah, there's this game called King's Knight that we were playing. It's just this random, weird, weirdly shaped uh, Nintendo game. It's, like, it's by Square, I think pre-Final Fantasy? Yeah, it's pre-Final Fantasy. Like, right before Final Fantasy, maybe? Um, and it has like RPG elements, but it doesn't tell you about them. And it's, it's really hard. Like you have to never die basically to beat it. Um, and we just took a lot of those concepts and tried to make it good because the way they did it wasn't user friendly 
for the most <laughs> part, unless you knew a couple like secrets or or whatever. But even even if you know all the secrets, it's incredibly hard to actually beat the game. Brutal. But yeah, we we were just playing that. And we we're like, this kind of sucks, but I can't stop playing it because it's like conceptually really interesting. And that's usually like a good inspirational moment to like make a little demo. And then Colin came up with this. Um, little demo and game maker drew the little sprites the original design of the character is all colin and uh nice yeah and he passed it to me and i started like adding some stuff and i added a level editor and then the rest is history i guess nice king's knight but good essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> put that on the box but also, yeah, that joke, like the that demon kissed my wife square. thing, like that was a big part yeah. of the inspiration too, because it became this joke between us, where like we'd be working on Gunbrella, like, and then we'd go outside to step out for some air, and then we would just be like, that demon, no, that demon kissed my wife, and then we would just say that back and forth. Well, it wasn't exactly that. I can't lie. What was it? What was it? It was originally it was that demon fucked my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no no, no or, no something. or something. And yeah. we're like this is a really really gr- great and compelling uh, story for any <laughs> video game. Uh, I, I agree. But uh when we were when we were talking especially because it's a Nintendo game, but when we were talking, we we really wanted to clarify that like it's a cuckold joke and not another type of joke. Um yeah. So like we workshopped and and ended up at that demon kissed my wife dot 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 or something which ended up kind of being funnier Um, (laughs) yeah like it it extra drove in the the clueless gunslinger kind of yeah i think it's better for that it's better for that reason and also because it can't be mistaken as easily like yeah in the other form like i think people are so used to seeing those kind of scenarios in games where it's implied that you know, somebody stealing the princess away or something. And like the implications behind that isn't good, you know? So, um, I think taking it out of that and we put in brackets in the cutscene dialogue, sensual moaning implying like consensual moaning. Like she's, (laughs) you know, he's sleeping in the other room and she's fucking some guy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the joke. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. And then an adventure happens. Right. Yeah, the vampire was a really good addition. Yeah. What was the root of that character? I don't like, I I had like this idea for a um kind of a Zelda style game for a while and I had this like um I just really wanted there to be this immortal vampire character that kind of gives you tips or something in it and I would kind of frantically draw her a lot or like like the <laughs> the short straight bangs kind of thing and right. And I was like, okay, she's player two, and then we'll find some reason for her to be here too. Yeah, it seems like a character uh, I've seen you, I had seen you draw, or it just, it makes sense. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember you telling me about this Zelda game idea, and there was some, like, thousand-year-old character. I don't think it was a vampire, maybe? Uh, she, was, she was supposed to be, like, presented as immortal, but, it, I mean, and is immortal, but the reason for that's vampirism, but it never really specifically stated it right. in the thing, and then... And then that fits so well in the gothic setting of, you know, of the the game mm-hmm. that we're making, like the fantasy world of Demon Throttle, you know? Yeah, because he's, he's like, um, I, I don't know, it kind of has like a dark tower thing going for it where it's a gunslinger, but it's more of like a uh, knights and, uh, or more of like a ghosts and goblins kind of setting, I feel like, in Demon Throttle. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I think that originally that was the idea, like how the intro of Ghosts and Goblins is so simple. It's just like you're having sex in the park and then some dude stole your girl. <laughs> and then that's <laughs> that's it. Literally stole in that case. And also in Ghosts and Goblin thing, like the original idea was to have it so when you beat the game, you had to play the game again. But we ended up twisting that a bit and it's it's not exactly that, but there's there are two endings. But basically he can go back in time and restart the cycle of kissing your wife and you have to go through it all again. Oh no. You know. The true ending has one of my favorite lines that I laughed so hard when I saw it, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody who'll play it, but it's, it's just like it's, the last thing we gunslinger gunslinger says. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited <laughs> like, for people to get there. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> And then the credits come down, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. over. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I think our favorite line from that was, um, wow, that is pretty sad. Yeah, I, I really like the wow, that is pretty sad yeah. line. <laughs> no context, but it's funny. Um, yeah, that, so that's then, video games writing. Oh. I think that's like <laughs> I think that's like one of our pinnacle achievements is that final scene for for video games writing thus far in the Dorksoft canon. Yeah, we really tried to go cinematic with it, for sure. It's like a um, spaghetti western, like emotional type of scene, and I think the music, like ZBW, did this intricate like scoring for each moment of those cutscenes, and that really comes across in some of the endings. I think. I think what I what I love about you guys is that you do everything better than anybody expects it to be. So, you know, like you did the um, the Devolver bootleg, and they were all legitimately good games. Like all the little Devolver bootleg games are legitimately good. And so, you know, at first blush, um, Demon Throttle just looks like a very old timey NES game, but then when you play it, there are different. There's all these different things you can unlock. There's all these different there's just there's all there's just so much more to it than you expect and i just really love that yeah i think uh with bootlegs we we kind of worked off of like the bootlegs kind of uh ethos i think with um or the devolver bootlegs ethos with um uh demon throttle where demon throttle what was that i said demon throttle yeah with demon throttle um where putting it in there at one point where we're like we want to emulate like in the bootlegs specifically we wanted to emulate things about the hardware or like the design of those games that are quote unquote bad but we refused to make any of them bad games and mm -hmm. like so like we we're like oh we'll make the mechanics like really like arcane or something in like i in the Castlevania one the got the roboto bootleg we have like there's a big landing pause and really like committed jumps and stuff like you might see in old games but it's actually like I think it's a really solid little, little, uh, essentially like a Castlevania or something that you, you go through because we didn't want to make garbage bad games, even though that was what they were marketed to be. <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of carried through into Demon Throttle, I think, a little bit, where we're like, okay, like we, like we were saying with King's Knight, or a lot of a lot of NES games are conceptually there's something really brilliant and special happening, but they're so janky in a weird way where they aren't really approachable, and we wanted to take some of that jank and some of those like those those weird feelings from old games 
but like also just make it really good um i think that's <laughs> yeah. like definitely something that we actively focus on nice it's great it's really wonderful i think i think sometimes people are like try to make recreate old games and they will they try to do it a little too faithfully and it's like oh no please don't do that nobody like nobody remembers how horrible nes games really were like they're brutal they're just fucking brutal uh just the limitations of the hardware and stuff yeah i, I, I sometimes do. sometimes people like go too close to the nes like what you're saying but also sometimes they're not close enough but in like really nitpicky mm -hmm. ways but i think that's what makes our stuff feel like it's better than you think because it's like for example sub pixels or mixed pixels in a game like even though our stuff's rudimentary like it always like fits together nicely and i think sometimes mm -hmm. like with pixel games like if you make it in unity it's really easy for like there to be a half a pixel when you're like scrolling the camera but we always make sure like it's always on the pixels like everything fits up to this grid and like <clears throat> so you, you can make stuff that's a little goofy or weird but it doesn't feel out of place because it all fits into that exact same like restricted space you know even if the music's going off in a way that the nintendo couldn't or like the sound <laughs> effects are going off in a way that the nintendo couldn't um <clears throat> everything fits in that visual space really well right i don't know like that's what we did on gato yeah. as well like gato doesn't really emulate any system like it's not a nintendo palette it's not a game boy palette it's its own thing yeah. but it still fits into like restricted pixel space and like immediately it feels more authentic because of that is is that something y'all are doing with gumbrella as well uh gumbrella's a little more hi-fi i think um like the the positions of pixels on the screen i think are, are pixel perfect but we do have slight in between stuff because we we rotate stuff it's a little more like it's definitely not a retro game even though it's a pixel art game on on gumbrella but there's yeah. also like shaders and stuff that you did that do things that like a retro system couldn't do so even though it's like in that pixel space um it's it's doing stuff that retro hardware didn't do it feels more like maybe a playstation game in between a super nintendo and a playstation game or something in terms of like what it can do on the screen yeah there's uh there's the resolution like lighting and um yeah like uh grain shaders and like a lot of really cinematic kind of stuff going on it that isn't quote-unquote pixel pure or whatever yeah um yeah like scaling and rotation and things yeah we did a little bit of that in demon throttle but we made it look like how it would look on a retro system kind of is it is it freeing to i mean how does how does it compare making a game where you're very much trying to emulate well you know not really emulate mm -hmm. emulate but you know what i mean like emulate an old system versus something like Gumbrella where you have a style but you're you know you're doing your own thing is it how does that feel different um i think especially for brit who's uh in charge of the art more than we are i think that brit's gotten a little jaded on doing you know retro styled games and i think that he's excited to have like a more painterly approach even though it's pixel art like a, a, a little more space to um i don't know work we I think we tried really hard with Gunbrella not to give ourselves um, 
system-based art restrictions. Like we have a, a color palette that we stick pretty heavily to when creating art assets. Um, and, you know, we have like rules for ourselves, but they aren't like retro rules. And I think that's been pretty liberating for, for Brit to expand his style and, and try out some new stuff. I mean, one, one good uh, example of that is like Gato Roboto is a tile set 16 by 16 and it's on a 16 by 16 grid. And so but basically like you can see where every square is, it's all squares, but on Gunbrella, yeah. well, for one thing, there's a lot of props and objects that aren't shaped onto that grid. There's backgrounds that take up the whole screen. They're drawn just like a painting or whatever, but the tiles themselves can be positioned on an eight grid. So like we have a lot more flexibility to create like weirdly shaped terrain, um, stuff that doesn't look like a bunch of squares. And like, we also have, mm. um, ramps or inclines you know that you slopes i guess that you can walk up yeah and we never had that i don't think in any of our other games and so automatically it feels more naturalistic or organic than yeah you know a, a grid base like a strict big grid base like demon throttle or gato would feel i think so yeah it's like a lot more freedom in like the style of the art and the map design um the events like the dialogue events are pretty robust like because we created systems to like be able to make these node-based events that can have branching paths so like depending on you know like you interact with someone in an rpg they'll say one thing during one world state they'll say a different thing during another world state if you are nice to their friend nice. they'll say one thing if you're mean to their friend they'll say another thing um and we can do that all like at runtime within the game and just like build those test them change them you know um so yeah it's a lot more freedom on all creative sides i think than in our other games like it's not a metroid game so it doesn't really have a a genre restriction of like the game yeah. design or anything it's just its own thing which is I, I think it's it's difficult it's not as obvious what you're supposed to do next i think when you're working on it because mm -hmm. it's a lot looser so that's a challenge, but it's also like probably one of the game's strengths in the end is that when you play it, you're not playing something that was just, you know, following a certain guideline or a genre ID ideas or whatever. It does its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's it's almost like this is the first real doing soft game. This is this is the true <laughs> emergence of doing soft into the world. <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to emulate real life as close as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's very depressing. I'm just it's super depressing and it rains all the time. It's the Pacific Northwest, the video game. <laughs> I think we even had the locations named after different areas that we knew in Oregon at first. <laughs> there might be some of that in there still. I don't remember. I think there's a couple, yeah. Definitely the map names. There might be some old map names in there or commented out lines of code or something. So just real quick, kind of, um, you know, Gumbrella just got announced. Do you want to share with people what Gumbrella is? Um, sure, yeah. Gumbrella is our new game, baby. Um, it, so you play as a, um, a woodsman is the word we're using for it, I I've noticed articles kind of finding synonyms for that and using like 
woodcutter and lumberjack and stuff lumberjack he's a, and forest forest ranger is a popular one for some forest reason. ranger keeps popping up yeah so <laughs> I, don't know I guess he's also that now too um but um your uh your family is massacred um well specifically your 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 wife has been killed and your child is missing and at the scene of the crime uh the the titular gunbrella a weapon that is both a shotgun and an umbrella is left there <laughs> and so uh the character begins investigating who the gunbrella belonged to on a kind of a revenge quest and you ship out to a not a really distant land but like you know a land that isn't where you're from and kind of start investigating and exploring and it's an action platformer so the action parts of it um you can like double jump and glide and latch onto things with the umbrella by opening it and block projectiles and then you can also shoot it like a shotgun um and then the investigative side of it is more um uh kind of just like talking to npcs and there's a there's a quite a few subtle or drastic kind of choices that you can make throughout it um, yeah. on your way to kind of find stuff and the world i think the world's really cool i don't know if jb want to talk about the world yeah it's a pretty wild world um we <laughs> i mean seriously we spent a lot of time thinking about kind of where we wanted the story to go and we had like broad outlines of you know the kind of adventure you go on to and where you end up um so we had like this broad outline but then when we went in to make the game we, you know we started with some pretty generic looking characters and then as time went on we got more interesting weirdos and kind of nefarious people and like just town people just all these characters and then we would give them names and we would do little voice clips for them and then write some dialogue and it started out feeling pretty serious um but then we would also sprinkle in humor so there's this kind of feeling like it's these people who live in this uh, dreary world the water's green it's raining all the time everything's kind of dark brown and red um and they're all poor and there's danger all over the place there's gangs and kidnappings and all sorts of stuff going on so it's pretty you know it's a pretty dim world but at the same time there's all these characters saying jokes or just being being weird and quirky and um that kind of it changes the way that that world feels i guess it starts to feel more complex and then once you learn the mechanics of the world and specifically like the main story of the game is related to this energy source and Mm -hmm. where it comes from and what its effect is on people and things is probably the thing that makes the world um like at its deepest is when like the characters interact with the mechanics of the world and it it i don't know you see a lot of crazy shit go down because of it nice i assume this is overall just like an anti-solar power 
statement piece I don't <laughs> about how solar panels are going to destroy the economy of the world and plunge everyone into poverty and gang warfare. I think that's great. Fossil fuels are the future. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, I think there are, there are definitely casts of characters in our games that think fossil <clears throat> fuels are the future or, or like to promote the idea that fossil fuels are the future. I, the, the energy source <laughs> in the game is a fossil fuel. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, we, we, I think we. I was talking to JB yesterday about magic systems and stuff, and I think we did like the reverse of the trope of uh, we have a magic system, but the magic system is technology all along, and we did like the reverse of that where there's like th there's technology, but it's kind of mythical, um, a yeah, little bit. It becomes more around. magic as the game goes on. Well, it's it's pretty. There's so the thing about it is that there's all of these different little small town vibes like there's these different areas of the game and mm -hmm. sometimes it's a city sometimes it's a gang hideout whatever like but it there's people that hang out around a certain area and they all have their own ideas about what what this energy come where the energy comes from um what it is if it's good or bad uh their explanation for why these monsters are appearing um their explanation of what Avalon is like there's this city that everyone talks about but it's also like it's also your utility and it's also the corporation that um, gets you oil, gets you like cooking oil or whatever and so it's all like combined into this one entity that feels like a god or like a myth it's uh, you know um, and so everybody has their own idea and explanation whether you're talking to a, like a church guy or a cultist guy or yeah some dumb person in town you know somebody that used to work in the mines like there's all these different perspectives and everybody believes their own thing so when you're playing it you kind of have to figure out what's real you know um and you piece it to no one has the whole answer so it's yeah. kind of you know it's important like if you want to understand the game to like talk to talk to people and like make make up your own mind about what it's actually about you know I don't know. Cool. Something like that. Cool. I noticed it is more it. Um, like mature, kind of just in its overall tone and also like the violence than, you know, both Demon Throttle and Gato. Was that like a, a conscious thing or just kind of how it came up? But like just you were making the game and that just seemed to fit. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I think everybody was kind of a little burnt out on just doing cutesy stuff. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh like gato robato is like surprisingly dark it has like quite a bit of like i mean in the in the sound design and the soundtrack and also a bit in the story despite it being a game about being a cute kitty inside of a robot um but i think like we wanted to you know just expand our horizons and try try something a little different in tone um yeah i, th I think it's mostly where it came from it wasn't like um I don't I think, think it's, we also it's, not, it's not a statement see, or anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't really a statement. It was like, but also we wanted to see the blood. You know, like we, yeah. we had been doing these little like arcadey things and that's fun. But sometimes you want to see the blood, you know, <laughs> and we were ready to see the blood, I think. <laughs> yeah, we were ready to see the blood and the guts. The yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you guys get together 
Hmm? What did you say? As a Doink Soft. How did you guys get together as a Doink Soft? How did Doink Soft come to be? Um, well, Britt and I were working at a, a different company, and uh, uh, Joseph and Britt during that time, kind of in their in their free time and downtime, were uh, prototyping Gato Roboto as just a fun project um, called Catroid at the time. And then uh, I, I, at that then, time, I was doing like uh ports and stuff i was doing a like mobile games and stuff yeah yeah right yeah 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 and then um early into the next so that was like in like the fall or something of i forget what year uh and early into the next year brit uh brit was let go from the company and i kind of quit because i wanted to work with brit and then i joined in on the gato roboto team and then we all just kind of started working on gato roboto and then um, we formed Doinksoft, I think, after Devolver said they wanted Gato Roboto. Like, we like formed an entity when we were like, oh. Or was it before or after? I don't really remember. Uh, what, what happened was, like, y'all quit your jobs or left, the, left your job. And we pretty much immediately had to try to get something signed. Because Britt, like, has three kids and... It was like, I can't not have income, and we have these cool game ideas, because we, we had a mobile game, and we had Gato Roboto, Catroid. And so we just started pitching them to everybody we could think think of, and yeah, I think within a week, we had heard back from Nigel from when we started pitching it. And we didn't waste time on getting the demo together, because it was already almost there. We just made, you know, made some maps, tuned it up, and like tested it, and then sent it out. It was very fast. Nice. That's amazing. You're amazing. That's fair. Yeah, both of you guys are amazing. This is so fun. No. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> just like hanging out with with the old buddies. Mhm. Mm I said this JM. Yeah, Pax like, was really good. Few, I think a few episodes ago when we were just doing like the Pax recap, I was like, Doinkstuff has become one of those like devs that are just always there at always like it doesn't matter they're just at every show but i don't care like <laughs> <laughs> that's nice <laughs> yeah um i forgot who i was talking to it was um i can't remember but somebody was like how do you have the energy to to just like be the last one up and also go to this every day and just have a smile on your face and I was like there's a party demon inside of me <laughs> and like not not like in like a I'm a party animal way but like there's a party demon and I've made a contract with it and it'll it'll let me do the things I need to do while I'm here at the Penny Arcade Expo East <laughs> same Yeah, I, I, I had a blast oh, hanging yeah, out with y'all yeah. there. It was really good. Yeah, that was a great time. Despite the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the aftermath. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all COVID's, got it, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they, they both got it. We both got it. Britt got it. Yeah. It's, COVID is not fun, kids listening at home. Wait, Britt got it yeah, too? Yeah, he did. That's 100% of the devs in our... In our and uh, that we were in charge oh, of. Oh man. Oops. That's true. Oops. Yeah. Uh yeah, that wasn't great. I it gave me a some 
opportunities to catch up on some video games I hadn't played yet on my Switch, or like that I had started but didn't, then stopped playing. True. Because um, nice. I was just locked in a room for two weeks. So that was the fun yeah. part of it. What's that? That was the fun part of it, getting to play some games. <laughs> yeah. I had a I had a weird moment when I was COVID sick. I was lying on the couch and. I, it was it was one of those stages where it was like I can't sleep anymore. I've already slept more than a human being should be allowed to sleep, but like I can't really move or do anything. And I was thinking about a song that I'd read, you know, I'd been listening to a soundtrack recently, and there it suddenly like tickled a memory of a song from a soundtrack from like 15 or 20 years ago, and I just I just laid on the couch for like 45 minutes slowly piecing together a song that I hadn't thought of in 15 years and it was it was weirdly satisfying it was really really nice I was like wow I would not have done this if I wasn't what sick. song was that so there's it was from the underworld soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, I like that soundtrack. Uh-oh. I liked it a lot in the day. Um, but the song is called "All of This Past." Because I'd been rewatching Arcane while I was sick, and there's this one sad song that was really good on there. And I was thinking about that sad song, and then suddenly my brain was like, "Hey, do you remember there was a sad song at the last track on the Underworld soundtrack?" And I was like, "Uh, I, I guess." And my brain was like, "What was that song?" And I'm like, I, "I, I don't know, man. We'll think about it." Uh, and so that's was the sad song in Arcane the one by uh, like Sting or? No, not that, not the Sting but, song. It's the it's the one from the end of the third episode. I can't. Remember I, so I, I haven't watched it, and I didn't watch it before the Game Awards. And they opened the Game Awards with Sting singing the super depressing song, and I was like, "What is going on?" Right? I had no idea why he was there doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's video games, baby. It's one of those moments where you just have a break from reality. You're like, I'm, I'm in a different dimension right now. This is not real. <laughs> I like that song, and I was so mad when I found out it was Sting. I, hate Sting. <laughs> I don't want to like Sting. I don't want to like Sting. <laughs> he's good. He's, he's always been good. He's always been a good musician. But when I was in high school, uh, my English professor on our, like, it was my last period. I'm a senior. And some days he wouldn't have anything for us to learn. So last period, seniors, you should just let us go. He would instead put on this DVD of Sting talking about how great Sting was and telling the story of Sting (laughs) and Sting's life. And so I just fucking hate Sting now. Whoa. (laughs) That's insane. That's an insane (laughs) thing to do to children. It was awful. Like, it was like this... There's like a movie theater or like a, an audience thing where you're like looking at the crowd and there's like these cardboard cutouts of all these great musicians in history and you can like click on each one and Sting will like pop up in the corner and be like, so this is why I'm better than the Beatles. And it's just like, what? shut the fuck up, Sting. What, what What is this? And where can I find this? I don't know. <laughs> it came out in the like late 90s and i'm sure it was like you know i mean it was that it was like those old-timey like dvd things where you'd like click on shit like there's like a hill that you click on and like sting pops up out of the corner he's like this is where i lost my virginity it's like i don't (laughs) care sting 
Dude, CD-ROM vibes. Yeah, it's Sting (laughs) Sting popping in like Clippy. (laughs) Yeah, he he does. He like pops up out of the... Like he'll like pop up from behind something. It's fucking terrible. Oh my god. Uh, this just yeah. reminds me of... I think of, my work uh, in Dune is the, is the best acting anyone's ever seen. <laughs> um, since I will never get a, another opportunity to talk to, to, to bring this up, because we will never talk about Sting ever again, uh, the best t-shirt I think I've ever seen somebody wear was, um, it was like, the police. So it was like Sting and the other two guys are the police. And the shirt just said, fuck NWA. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I was like, what? Because, <laughs> yeah, fuck the police. And fuck yeah, the yeah. I was, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> Whoa. Dude, it's, Whoa. Uh, it's one, of the, one of the world's greatest beefs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> NWA and the police. Yeesh. Uh, what games are y'all into these days? Um, well, Elden Ring. Uh, but I hadn't played Elden Ring for a couple weeks because I couldn't be in the living room because I had COVID and then I was at PAX and then I went to hop into my Elden Ring thing, which is in the last area. And I'm like, Hmm, too hard. So I started again and played a a different (laughs) character a little bit. Uh, and then what else? I, I, like I was saying, I was on a JRPG kick. I, I played the Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster, which was really cool. It's uh, The opera scene is fully voice acted in every language, I found out. Is that is that a good yeah, thing? Yeah, no, it's amazing. It was super thing? good. I, I loved it. Okay, because I loved the opera when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I like the music it, on those were really good in general, too. It, it was very it was very funny, like, in the way that opera is supposed to be funny. Like, uh, or, or, like, can be comedic. Like, uh... Mm-hmm. It, it, like uh, the, I, the voice acting I thought the English was pretty good uh, but I, I, I was just super impressed that it's localized to every language that you can play the game in for voice fully voice acted opera scene in Final Fantasy 6 yeah that's pretty intense um, and that's then yeah, yeah I played uh, a little bit of Octopath Traveler and Bravely Default 2 as well pretty recently but cause do you enjoy those? what's that? Oh, I asked if you enjoyed those. Uh, I like. I, I think Octopath Traveler has the single best turn-based RPG system I've ever played. Um, but mm-hmm. the stories, I like maybe two of the characters' scenarios out of the eight. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Bravely Default Two. I really liked Bravely Default One, but octopath kind of took like the brave and default system from bravely default one and said let's make this even cooler and then bravely default dared to say what if we used bravely default one's battle system and so like and it's such a grind the whole game's such a grind and the and the story is a little lacking and i think i've played maybe one scenario in it that i thought was fun but now that i have a bunch of jobs and stuff it's starting to get a little more strategic but I don't know. JRPGs are just a big time sink, and so they made all the time go away when I was sick. You gotta nice. play that. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what's that one? Uh, live, live alive, live alive. Yeah, that game's when, amazing. That remake. Yeah, that looks awesome. What? Yeah, I have a, I have an SNES repro of Live Alive, which uh, they're doing. They're oh, doing the, the HD 2D remaster of soon. Oh yeah. yeah. But you said like the scenarios in that are more consistent than Octopath Traveler or something. Yeah, Octopath Traveler, 
it felt like it was trying to do the same thing where you play a bunch of different characters scenarios and then they all tie up some way and from it feels like in Octopath Traveler there's no reason for the characters to be adventuring together whatsoever um, hmm. and I, I know there's a there's like a side quest that kind of ties them together and the world building does tie them together a little bit like but like Live Alive is really really cool because it's like all these standalone scenarios that you can play in any order you want and then you unlock a final scenario after you've done it um, hmm. where uh, everybody's here now um which is pretty cool <laughs> mm-hmm. joseph what have you been playing what are you into these days yo yeah when i uh, got when i got sick i yeah i started playing my switch because i i never really played it that much i for the last year i've been playing more like ps4 ps5 i was really in that mm-hmm. final fantasy 7 remake life for a long time I was really obsessed with that, and the the Resident Evil remake, uh, Resident Evil Two remake. I played that too. That was good. But yeah, I hadn't played any Switch for a long time, so I played. Uh, I actually played through Greece for the first time. I had never actually beaten it. I pl- I had, like played the first chunk of it, but that was incredible. Yeah. Like actually seeing where it goes and like the way it ends and stuff. It was it was amazing. Super beautiful. Nice. Yeah. So that was that was really fun. It's a good one to play while you're it sick. It was great to play while I was sick. It was super calming. The music was just beautiful. Like it w- wasn't mm-hmm. stressful or demanding in any way. Um, just exploring and yeah, it was just super nice. And then I I think the only other thing I played weirdly was well, I played a little Dandy and Randy DX, which is this. Dang, dang, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's like a Brazilian retro game. Um, it's good. It's like Goof Troop on the SNES. Okay. You ever play that? <laughs> nice. No. Okay, so it's like it looks like a Zelda top-down thing, but you interact with objects. Like you can pick up boxes and throw them. So you don't really like, have a sword or mm-hmm. anything. You just solve these puzzle rooms, and sometimes the puzzle is some enemies that are patrolling and sometimes the puzzle is like hitting two switches at the same time or whatever but it's like two-player yeah. cooperative which i didn't get to try that element because i was in my bedroom alone but it seemed cool so i only played that for a little bit what was that one action game that tribute put out uh the really hard one with the zip line oh i don't know oh, i know you saw it but recently because you tried it. oh um was that's not cyber shadow no it's no. not cyber shadow it has like that same sort of energy though um it's got this hyper hyperactive like um intense anime avatar guy something assault steel assault maybe no that sounds close that sounds like a tactics game anyway i played that for a while but it's 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 really hard in a kind of a frustrating way but i i just should bite the bullet and put it on easy but something in me forces me <laughs> not steel to. Assault. Steel, steel Assault. Steel Assault is the game. It was d- yeah. developed by Zenovia Interactive and published by right. Tribute. And that, that, was, like. that was pretty good. Played that a bit. Um, but the one I played most recently was Star Ocean First Departure R, which is like um, a remaster from the PSP of the first Star Ocean game, which was a Super Famicom game, I believe. Mm. Um, and because as a kid, I played Star Ocean 2 on the PlayStation. And I remember being really impressed by like how it had this like 3D action battle system. 
with like 2D characters on top of it. Um, and you could like convince NPCs in a town to join your party, but you don't have to. Like there's all this flexibility and like it feels kind of open worldy in a way where like there's a lot of lots of side quests mm. and stuff and I don't know for a game from that era it felt really unique there's like a crafting like cooking system and I mean this is a game from the 90s you know so it was like yeah. not like we take that for granted now maybe that there's cooking in a game but like at that time it was really different like there's all these weird jobs you can get and stuff and anyway so I was playing that the remaster of the first game and that was pretty cool pretty good came out recently oh you know what else i played nice. that i just want to shout out real quick was this um uh uh goofy little deconstructed rpg called franken and i i okay. saw somebody posted on twitter it's by splendid splendid land and it's like a 45 minute game uh that's just this like goofy ba it basically does every single thing that happens in a in an old school jrpg and it had me belly laughing the entire time. It's one of the funniest video games I've ever played. <laughs> really worth checking out. Franken, like, is that on PC or Switch? It's or just what? on PC. It's on itch.io. Okay. Oh, oh it's yeah. on itch. What about Dandy and Randy? Is that on Switch? It's on Switch. Yeah. Oh snap. Yeah, and um, that developer is really good. They are the one. Andre Yin, I think, is their name, and it they did the programming on. Uh, the Joy Masher games, like the most recent one was, oh crap, what the heck is that game called? Shoot. It was that Ultra Contra game, Super Nintendo Contra game, I don't know how, Blazing Chrome, yeah, Blazing Chrome. Oh, yeah, 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 and that yeah. game's amazing, and he did the programming on that. So it's a totally different kind of game, like, it's a different vibe and scale and everything, but it's the same programmer that did the programming on Blazing Chrome. But yeah, it's just more of a cutesy, like, goofy and fun, uh, cooperative, top-down game. Like, play with a friend and throw boxes at enemies. It's kind of silly. Uh, there's a giant yes. octopus boss, which is always a good call, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. You guys have any questions for us? Can I see uh, your am face? I about to see your mug? Is this video <laughs> turning on? <laughs> is this a video not podcast, but not. only for us? Only for you. <laughs> no, apparently, it's not working. Uh, I don't know how. How are you guys? Is there anything you're looking forward to? The opera. The opera. Yeah. Very excited about winter the opera. opera happening. Yeah. June tenth is our first show, and it's only that weekend. Oh, nice. So we gotta go, Colin. I'll make sure to let you guys know so you can come up and see mm -hmm. it. That'd be sweet. Yeah. What are you looking forward to, Jared? Uh, not much, man. I'm having dinner with my parents tomorrow. That'll be nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. How's Zane, by the way? Did you guys hear about Zane? What happened to Zane? Oh, yeah. He did not get COVID. He did not get COVID. Instead, he uh, fucking shattered his collarbone. What the what? fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? He, um, he plays like in a. It's like a. Two, I, I don't. It's either two hand touch or flag football or something up in New York where he is. And I guess, I don't know. He either fell or like some weekend warrior type dude got him, but he 
yeah, like a few days after Pax, he ended up having to like go to the hospital because he fucking cracked his collarbone real bad. Like he should have got COVID for it, but they he ended up not needing it. So, oh my gosh, yeah, (laughs) is he doing all right? Yeah, uh, he's actually down here. Um, the because it's his right arm, so he's like pretty immobilized. So my parents were like, "Well, shit, we'll get you down here so you can just like." He's, so he's staying with my folks so they can, like, kind of help him yeah. for a couple weeks while he recovers. So you're also going to have dinner with Zane, then? Yes, I am, actually. Nice. My whole family. <laughs> Zane, uh, Zane's kind of like, um, I, I tried to ask him as much as I could about him meeting him for the first time at PAX. And I, um, I he, he seems, like, mythological. Like, he, he's an actor, <laughs> and he, he plays touch football, I guess, uh, and, like, breaks his collarbone. What other mythological qualities? Huh? It's the third time he's broken his collarbone. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's too many. Yeah, drink times. his milk. Uh, that's what I was like. I thought yeah. after he broke it once, it gets like extra strong or something. But I guess that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that it takes like a couple weeks or something. Yeah, I think it's like because um, he's in a sling. Because it's like you just can't move it for like. I think like a month or something and then they'll like x-ray it again and see what it's like <laughs> that's his right arm yeah his right arm so is he right-handed yes oh my god he's also in a he got cast in this like he got a small part in this film that is shooting i think in the end of june so he's like well it better heal or i gotta act like i don't have a broken collarbone Oh jeez, <laughs> Jesus! Is the That's film about, is the film starring Zane as a main character who has a perfectly able right arm? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it's a fucking what do you arm wrestling know about movie. This, guy? <laughs> <laughs> this director is ableist. <laughs> his left arm's okay, but his right arm, everything works perfectly. <laughs> everything he does with his right arm, Mwah! magnificent. Jeez. <laughs> Man, gonna take a lot of punches to the chest. Collarbone area. He's got a sturdy clavicle. Well, we're thinking of you, Zane. Thinking of you, Zane. Yeah, Hope you recover you. in time for your role as an arm wrestler in the movie. <laughs> Yo. Oh my god. <laughs> Whoa, hey. Nobody can see it because they're listening, but damn, we just got we just got some hot jam action right there. Oh my god. <laughs> I I screen crapped crapped it, don't worry. <laughs> no, I, was a fool. I couldn't tell if you were topless or wearing a peach colored shirt. Can it be both? <laughs> I don't know. No, by definition, I, I guess, guess it can't. Um, Maybe if you're wearing the shirt around yeah, your no, waist. I'm That's true. I could be wearing a peach-colored shirt around <laughs> my waist. <laughs> I assure you I'm not. One peach-colored sock. <laughs> Ankle sock. Well, I, uh, thanks for being on the show, you guys. Thanks for having I'm us on the show. Trying to think if there's like more important questions we should ask. It's hard with you guys because you're we're so you know like you're just saying we just like hang out. So it's hard for me to be like, all right, formal questions. Ask Doinks off professional questions that people <laughs> want to know the answers to. I'm just like, hey guys, how's it going? I think yeah. we much prefer it this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's more interesting content, but it's fun for us. Yeah. We don't need to be too insightful. Well, yeah, it's fun. I think we got information out there. I think we learned a lot about Gumbrella. I'm excited about Gumbrella. I think it's really cool to see you guys get to do something that is um, 
you know, that has that doesn't have, you know, those restrictions on it that you've worked with in the past and really getting you guys getting to get into a mood yeah, ga- that you've not been able to do. Gaming's for adults now and we're proving that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like in Cyberpunk when they wrote then they drew penises on everything cuz it's for adults. That's true. true. Yeah, I'm like All right, so last 10 minutes we'll just talk about Elden Ring. Uh yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't think JB's played it yet. <laughs> no. I've never really played a Souls game. I I played a, about 30 minutes of Bloodborne, but that's about it. Yeah, they suck. Souls games suck. They're Wrong. Terrible. But Elden Ring. Mwah. Wrong. I, I, I love right. Souls games. They're incredible to me. Yeah, but you got bad taste. I know. <laughs> but listen. <laughs> no, you don't. You have excellent taste. Dude, I got this game. What are you holding I can't up? See. Uh, I can't read that. It's Lagrange Point or Lagrange Point from nice. the Famicom. ZZ Top game. <laughs> what? Is that a ZZ Top game? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it's a Konami <laughs> RPG. Hot. Um. Want to talk about Alanis Morissette? Yeah, 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 oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, you have a man. You have a man. You have a You You <laughs> I got one hand in my pocket, and the and other hand is one's in my pocket. Pocket sign. <laughs> in my other in pocket. My yeah. <laughs> oh, isn't it pretty, ironic? Pretty good. All right, we'll stop recording there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, really? Do you really want me to stop recording? Oh, uh,